It's good to see you all. Thanks for coming out this Sunday morning here in September. We're doing a series in the book of Psalms, the Psalms as Common Prayer, and we're looking at one of the strangest Psalms in all the book of Psalms, Psalm 109. My guess is that some of you cannot believe that someone actually wrote this as a song to God. You will not believe the things that are said in this psalm. But this is an anti-memetic psalm, and I'll get into that in a minute. This is a psalm of David. Um, So if we could look at Psalm 109, verses 1 to 22, for the choir director, Psalm of David. God of my praise, do not be silent. For wicked and deceitful mouths open against me. They speak against me with lying tongues. They surround me with hateful words and attack me without cause. In return for my love, they accuse me. But I continue to pray. They repay me evil for good and hatred for my love. Set a wicked person over him. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is judged, let him be found guilty, and let his prayer be counted as sin. Let his days be few. Let another take over his position. Let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Let his children wander as beggars, searching for food far from their demolished homes. Let a creditor seize all he has. Let strangers plunder for what he has worked for. Let no one show him kindness, and let no one be gracious to his fatherless children. Let the line of his descendants be cut off. Let their name be blotted out to the next generations. Let the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord. And do not let his mother's sin be blotted out. Wow, I know. Let their sin always be remained before the Lord and let him remove all memory of them from the earth. For he did not think to show kindness, but pursued the suffering, needy and brokenhearted, in order to put them to death. He loved cursing, let it fall on him. He took no delight in blessing, let it be far from him. He wore cursing like his coat, let it enter his body like water and go into his bones like oil. Let it be like a robe he wraps around himself, like a belt he always wears. Let this be the Lord's payment to my accusers, to those who speak evil against me. But you, Lord, my Lord, deal kindly with me for your name's sake, because your faithful love is good. Rescue me, for I am suffering and needy. My heart is wounded within me. It's not what you think. We'll get to that. Now, 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. This is the last story of King David before he died. This is what he did. As the time approached for David to die, he ordered his son Solomon, As for me... I'm going the way of all the earth. Be strong and be a man and keep your obligations to the Lord, your God, to walk in his ways and keep his statutes, commands, ordinances, and decrees. This is written in the law of Moses so that you will have success in everything you do and wherever you turn and so that the Lord will fulfill his promise that he made to me. If your sons take care to walk faithfully before me with all their heart and with all their soul, you will never fail to have a man serve on the throne of Israel. You also know what Joab, the son of Zeruiah, did to me and what he did to the two commanders of Israel's army, Abner, son of Ner, and Amasa, the son of Jether. He murdered them in a time of peace to avenge his bloodshed in war. 
He spilled that blood on his own waistband and on his sandals of his feet. Act according to your wisdom, and do not let his gray head descend to Sheol in peace. Show kindness to the sons of Barzillai, the Gileadite, and let them be among those who eat at your table, because they supported me when I fled from your brother Absalom. Keep an eye on Shimei, the son of Gera, the Benjaminite from Baruhim, who is with you. He uttered malicious curses against me the day I went to Mahanam, but he came down to meet me at the Jordan River, and I swore to him by the Lord, I will never kill you with a sword. So don't let him go unpunished, for you are a wise man. You know how to deal with him to bring his gray head down to Sheol with blood. Then David rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. The length of the time of David reigned over Israel was 40 years. He reigned seven years in Hebron and 33 years in Jerusalem. Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his kingship was firmly established. Now Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 to 48. This is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. This is our Lord. Again, you've heard that it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven, because it is God's throne, or by earth, because it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, because it is the great city of the king. Do not swear by your head, because you cannot make a single hair white or black, but let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no, and anything more than this is of the evil one. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. As for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he causes his sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sends his rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the Holy Scripture. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of all of our hearts and minds together be pleasing to you, our Lord and Redeemer. Amen. How many of you have ever read through Psalm 109 before? Now remember, this was a... Isn't that strange? Can you... And these are songs... Can you imagine singing this song in a church? Let me, write, let me read you some of the lyrics of the song that was written here. Let the line of his descendants be cut off. Let their name be blotted out to the next generation. Let their sin always remain before the Lord and let him remove all memory of them from the earth. He wore cursing like a coat and let it enter his body like water and go into his bones like oil. Wow. This is more like a prayer for a chaplain for OU against Texas and the, or Texas against OU. It's that, like, you can't, it's so violent. It's so violent. And you're thinking, what is, what's going on here? It's actually 
not what you think it is. We'll get into that in a second. And it, it shouldn't su surprise us because David, who wrote this psalm, is, is kind of a violent person. Um, right before he died, you remember David was a king. And right before he died, well, two things happened. Can I read you something else that was so strange? When you read 1 Kings chapter 1 and 2, when you first read it, you think, is this guy for real? Let me read you the first, first Kings chapter 1. I read you part of chapter 2. And in chapter 2, this is what happened. David took his son Solomon and said, hey, buddy, you're going to be a king. Follow the Lord's statutes. Do all that God has commanded you. Oh, good advice. And then he said, oh, there's this guy named Shimei. He made fun of me. And I swore to the Lord, I would never do harm to him. But parenthetically, I didn't tell him my son wouldn't do harm to him. I didn't say that at all. So here's the deal, buddy. Kill him. Let his blood be on him. He actually told his son, I told him that I wouldn't kill him, but I never said. So would you finish the job? I'm about to die. Amen. And he dies. Wow. Can you guys believe that? That's actually what he said to his son. As you take the throne, kill this guy. I told him I wouldn't do it. So in a way, I guess he's keeping his promise, right? Oh, if you think that's weird, here's the first part of that, okay? Like, this is, this is just the continuation of the weirdness. But also, I want you to have, have to have soft eyes to David. So this is in chapter 1. He's very old, and he's in bed. He's very old and in bed, and he needs a little help. So this is right before he told Solomon, his son, to kill someone that he promised not to kill. This is 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. Now, King David was old and advanced in age, and although they covered him with bedcloths, he could not get warm. How many of you have a grandma or grandpa that they're always cold, right? Uh, my mom, she's 91. She lives in Northern California. Her room is like 104 degrees. And when I saw her recently, we said, Mom, you've got to turn this down. Why? Uh, what, what are you, making roses in here or something? It's just, and they, they said, my mom and dad said, no, we love it, Mart, leave it alone. Because they're older, they're in their 90s, and they just get cold. So David was, he was cold. He couldn't get, he, he, he couldn't have bedcloths to cover him with warm. So this is what happens next. So his servant said to him, let us search for a young virgin for my Lord King, and she's to attend the king and be his caregiver. She's to lie by your side so that my Lord the king will get warm. What? He's married. Bathsheba is still his wife. And so they're saying, oh, we're going to get you a nice young girl to lay next to you. Not a burly dude. Wouldn't it be better to have like a burly dude who's like super warm and in case they try to kill him? What, this is in the Bible. This is so strange. What a strange man. It's only beginning. Oh, you think this is strange? Here we go. Okay. They searched for a beautiful girl throughout this territory of Israel. They found Abishag, the, the Shumanite, and brought her to the king. Oh, have mercy, God. They found a girl. What's going to happen? This is what happens. The girl was unsurpassed in beauty, and she became the king's caregiver. She attended to him, but he was not intimate with her. Phew! Good for you, David. It's in the Bible. What a weird guy. Come on. Can we just confront the strangeness? This is the king of Israel. He's married, and they said, we're going to get you a young girl. Oh, keep you warm at night. Sounds good to me. But David, a virtuous man, this one who wanted to kill him, uh, didn't kill him. 
didn't kill the guy, and he didn't, he didn't have intimate relations. And it's in the scriptures. So you know that David's a violent man, and David does difficult and hard things. What can we learn about this? God is involved with very difficult people. But this is not virtuous. There's nothing virtuous about this at all. And the reason I'm bringing this up, here's a guy that would do this. And he's still married to Bathsheba, and he's received God's mercy. And the last thing he tells his son, kill this guy. So you would think, well, then Psalm 109 is no stretch for him. He prays to have a violent psalm. Like, Lord, just break out their teeth, kill them after the fourth and fifth generation. That's actually not, not what's going on. So if we go back to Psalm 109 for a second, Jesh, because here's the thing that I want you all to see. David, even though he, he's not faithful to his wife, or should I say multiple wives, that whenever people harm him, he harms them much more than he gets harmed. But he's working on it. He's beginning to repent. He's trying. He's trying not to imitate bad behavior with bad behavior. He's actually working on it. So in this psalm, two things are going on. David, in verses 1 through 5, is talking about what he's doing. When we get to verse 6, David is now taking on, he switches gears. He's saying, this is what people are saying about me. I'm not saying it to them. And then he switches gears again in verse 19. So I'll read it to you again, okay? So I want you all to see this. This is really strange but beautiful and gives us hope that we can begin to imitate Jesus rather than imitate bad behavior around us. This is David in verses 1 to 5. God of my praise, do not be silent, for wicked and deceitful mouths open against me. They speak against me with lying tongues. They surround me with hateful words and attack me without cause. In return for my love, they, and you see the word accuse? They satan me. It's actually the word satan in Hebrew, which is what we get the word Satan. This is very important to see this here. I'm loving these people, David says. I got people that, listen, I've done bad stuff. Yes, I know I have, but I am trying to follow the Lord. And for my love, they Satan me. They accuse me. But I continue to pray, and they repay me evil for good. So David says, I'm not trying to to be bad. I'm, I'm really trying to forgive them. Do you hear, David? If he said, they accuse me, they Satan me. That's what the word means. That's where we get the word Satan. They accuse me. They repay me evil for good and hatred for my love. Now stop. Beginning in verse 6, it says, where it says, set a wicked person over him. It's almost as though the, the psalm writer says, let it be said. So David is switching gears here. And what's happening, those who accuse David right here, David is saying, this is what they're saying about me. This is not David praying. Because what happens, the accusers become plural. And David is the object of their accusation. David is the object of their accusation. Now, if you realize that. So this is David saying, I return for them. They accuse me, but I continue to pray for them. They repay me evil for good and hatred for my love. And so David's saying, and this is what they say. This is what they're telling. This is what the enemies of David are saying. Set a wicked person over him. That's David. Let an accuser stand in his right hand. So the accuser wants another accuser. When he's judged, let him be found guilty. And let his prayer be counted as sin. Let his days be few. Let another take his position. Let his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Do you guys hear what David's saying? This is not me saying this. This is what people are saying to me. 
This is what they're praying to him. He's saying, they're going to accuse me and accuse and Satan me and Satan me over and over again. Let his children wander as beggars, searching for food far from their de uh, demolished homes. Let a creditor seize all he has. Let strangers plunder what he has worked for. So David's praying, Lord, this is all the things they're saying about me. Have you ever been accused by somebody? David is saying, I'm telling the Lord everything that these people are saying to me. They're accusing me. Most of the Psalms don't understand that. But you've got to go right to the original. In the Hebrew, it's really clear that David is saying, this is what they're saying about me. Let strangers plunder what he's worked for. Let no one show him kindness. Let no one be gracious to his fatherless children. Let the line of his descendants be cut off. These are what people are saying to David. Let their name be blotted out in the next generation. Let the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord. And do not let his mother's sin be blotted out. Thanks, Jess. Let their sin always remain before the Lord, and let him be removed all, all memory of, the, of them from the earth. For he did not think to show kindness, but pursued the suffering, needy, and brokenhearted, in order to put them to death. He loved cursing. Let it fall on him. He took no delight in blessing. Let it be far from him. He wore cursing like his coat. Let it enter his body like water and go into his bones like oil. Let it be like a robe he wraps around himself, like a belt he has always wears. Okay, let's stop right there. And just go to the next verse. But you, O Lord, deal kindly with me for your namesake. Because your faithful love is good, rescue me. For I am suffering and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. So what David says, Lord, I was good to these people. They were bad to me. And now they're saying all these things about me. And Lord, would you please deal kindly with me? I'm telling you what they're doing. Do you guys see what's going on in this psalm then? So that middle section there is not David saying, God, give this to them. That's David saying, that's what they're saying to me. And that's very important to see that. But here's the deal. He's mostly, and he's mostly not mimetic. Mimetic means to imitate. Have you ever waved at someone at the airport or someone, but they weren't waving at you, they were waving to someone behind you? You ever had the embarrassing thing like, they go, hey, and you go, and you realize, oh, I don't know that person at all. Oh, I feel so stupid. But why did you do that? Because when someone does something to you, you tend to do the same thing to them. If they're, if they're nice to you, you imitate their niceness. But what if someone in the car next to you looks at you and goes like, what do you do to them? We imitate. What Jesus says, and that's so important, we need to be imitators of him. So when people do this to you, you do like, well, Lord bless you. Lord bless you. That, that, that happened this last week. I was just talking to Al before the, uh, the message. There's a tennis tournament going on today, um, the U.S. Open. You guys know that, right? And Daniel Medvedev's playing, and he's so funny. He's this Russian guy who's really eloquent in, like, several languages, I've, but he's really good at English. And uh, there was a woman in the stands when he's getting ready to serve. Um, she got up to go get another drink, like another Coke or a beer or whatever. And she, he was across, and he looked at her and goes, What are you doing? What are you doing? And in very un New York fashion, you know, what you think she would have done? Like, what are you doing, right? But you know what she did? She blew him a kiss. She was anti mimetic, and it stunned him. He didn't know what to say. He's like, oh, okay, I'll serve now. And I think it's so easy to imitate people. But when people do wrong to us, this whole psalm was about when people do wrong to you, don't do wrong to them. By the grace of Jesus, restrain yourself. And David's saying, these people have done wrong to me, 
And I'm trying not to do it. And he does a very good job, but he, but he messes up a little bit. So Jess, can you go back to that one verse I mentioned? Um, can you go right before that? Yeah. This is the end of verse 19. So David is, so David is quoting what the accusers are saying to him. Let it be like a robe he wraps around himself, like a belt he always wears. And then David begins his prayer again. Then he says, Lord, let this be the Lord's payment to my accusers. Oh, David, you were so close. You were so close. Like all those things that they just said, he was said, Lord, okay, if you want to, all those things they said about me, I wouldn't mind if you did it to them. It'd be okay with me. But, 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 to those who speak, and go to the next verse. And then David begins to get himself, but you, Lord, my Lord, deal kindly with me for your name's sake, because your faithful love is good. Rescue me, for I am suffering and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. David is turning the corner on repentance. He's a violent man. He's not a faithful man, but he loves God. And he's doing the best he can. And this psalm, he's not talking about what he wanted to do violence to people. He's talking about, these are people doing this to me, and I don't want to repay, but Lord, if you repay, I'm okay with it. But I pl- I'm trying not to do it. I'm working on it. He's a man working on not being mimetic to violence. He's, he doesn't want sacred violence anymore. By the way, there's no such thing as sacred violence. He wants to reconcile with people. He's working on it. He's actually working on it. Because David, in this psalm, realizes what it's like to be accused. And when you've been accused of doing something wrong, and you're not perfect, but you're not that bad, it feels evil. Have you all ever been accused of something that you said, listen, I'm not a perfect person, but I'm not that bad. I didn't do that much. And yet the accuser gets other accusers. Have you ever had people point fingers at you and say, yes, you're the problem? Doesn't it feel like, like, like evil? It is. It's satanic. It's actually the word Satan. And David has lived enough to say, I am so tired of this satanic nonsense. I want no part of it. Except maybe, God, if you can give them a little tiny bit, I'd be okay with it. He's beginning to round the corner of repentance. He's beginning to round the corner. And in this psalm, I think we need to realize, we need to bring our anger before the Lord. We need to bring the fact that people accuse us before the Lord. We need to pray for them that God would forgive them. And even when we're not ready to, to have them forgiven, we need to tell the Lord, Lord, I'm okay if you let bad things happen to them, but I probably shouldn't be okay. And we probably shouldn't be okay. But it's a public topic. These are things we don't talk about in church. And when you see David's life, and the reason I read to you, I bet it was very uncomfortable for, you, for me to read 1 Kings chapter 2 and chapter 1. When's the last time those verses are read in the church? That's uncomfortable. I mean, that's God's... That guy's... A, he's, there's no way... That we, would, that we would celebrate that today in the church. If, if I ever said, listen, the Lord inspired me what David did, so um, as I get older, would you guys be fine if I had a nice, a nice young woman lay down with me? Don't ever say, Martin, no, don't, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not biblical. That's so gross. Grow up. Grow up. I hope you say that to me. But that's what you should say because that's why it's in the Bible. It's wrong. And what he did at the end of his life I can't believe he's telling his son, his first act as the new king of Israel, I didn't tell him that I wouldn't kill him, but you please finish him off. David, grow up. Grow up, man. God loves difficult people. 
And that's not condoned in the Bible, by the way. And if people condone that, they're not reading the Bible correctly. Does that sound like Jesus? If it ain't Jesus, it's not biblical. Jesus is the only perfect theology in the world. And that's not Jesus. But David's working on it. He was a proud, violent man, and God was beginning to change him. And you even see, even at the end of his life, he's working on it. In this psalm, he's working on it. I'm encouraged that God can teach, kind of like old dogs, new trick. David is not, he's not a perfect person. His own sons try to kill him. Well, because he tried to kill his own sons. The guy's a mess. But he's working on it, and God works with difficult people. God loves difficult people. God hangs out in these places. God hangs out in all these places that live like this. Do you know any families that have this in their background, this kind of violence, this kind of weirdness in their background? Where's God? Right there with them, hanging in there with them, loving on them, not, not giving up on them. You know why? Because God hangs out in these kind of places all the time. All the time. But he wants us to be keenly aware of what I think David began to be aware of which is the art of accusing other people. The Apostle Paul was a big accuser. Before he was Saul, he was actually getting a license to imprison Christians, and Paul, before his name was changed to Paul, participated in the first murder of a Christian in the Bible. But he did this in the name of God. He did this for evangelistic zeal. Paul helped stone Stephen to death. For God's sake, he did it. He thought he was serving God. And then Jesus saw him on the road to Damascus and said, why are you persecuting me? In other words, Paul, when you saw the face of the enemy, when you saw the face of the accuser, that's me. We just prayed a minute ago, or five, 10 minutes ago, Lord, help us love our neighbors as ourselves because what we do to them or don't do to them, we do or don't do to you. Do we really believe that? That what we do and don't do to our neighbor, we do to Jesus? Let me tell you who does. The Apostle Paul does. That every face he now sees, he sees the face of Jesus. And he can't accuse them anymore. He can't Satan them anymore. He can't say those are bad people anymore. He can't do it. He went one step beyond David. David, who saw himself accused and got tired of it and, and said, Lord, please be kind, but if, oh, but if you accuse them, I'm okay with it. Paul went even further because he saw the face of Jesus. And when Paul gives his first sermon at the Areopagus in Acts chapter 17, which is a very public place, by the way, huge place, he saw a bunch of non-Christians, people he used to hate before, people that were Greek, they believe in Greek mythology and all kinds of weird stuff, and let me tell you what Paul said to them. This is how Paul described them. He didn't accuse them of anything. In fact, he told them that they were very special, that they were God-made and God-loved and God was very close to them. This is Acts 17. I'll just read you this verses. Paul says, As I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship and even found an altar in which was inscribed, to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it. He's Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in shrines made by hands, neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anyone, since he himself gives every, everyone life and 
life and breath and all things. And from one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and boundaries of where they might live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. What did, what am I, what did Paul say? Paul looked out at all these people and said, God made from one family every nationality. He made every human being so that they would seek God and find God because God wants them. And he's not far from each one of us because in him we live and move and have our being. Jesus, the Jesus that I used to persecute, gives all you guys breath. I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm not going to accuse you. Jesus, the one I persecuted before, he puts the synapse in your heart and in your brain and loves you. And I love you too and he's right here. No more accusation. Wow. How do you do it? He saw Jesus face to face. You guys have heard of Jonathan Edwards, right? Very famous preacher, Presbyterian theologian, president of Princeton University, wrote the very famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Great philosopher, great all that stuff. People, may, they've heard of him. You know what they don't hear of? His son. Jonathan Edwards, Jr. Jonathan Edwards, Jr. also was a minister. He also was president of Princeton Seminary. But he was very different than his dad. Because he called his dad out on the fact that his dad accused certain people. That he wouldn't love them. This is in the 1700s. Jonathan Edwards, the great Christian man who followed Jesus, was a slaveholder. Had four. His son begged him. Dad, don't do that. Guess what dad said? The Bible says it's okay. He said, no, it doesn't, dad. Jesus says, treat one another as you want to be treated. Well, the Bible says, he said, I know that's what some verse says, but the Lord himself says, treat people with dignity. Get rid of them, dad. And guess what dad said? Leave me alone. But this is how it started. When he was six years old, his dad lived in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, and next to him was the Mohican Indian Reservation. And Jonathan, being a great preacher, he was asked to go preach a sermon to the local natives. And usually when Jonathan speaks, gives sermons to people that have a different tongue, a different voice, he'll say a greeting in their own home language and then have it translated. But Jonathan refused to have any translated stuff. He said, no, I'm just going to speak English to them. And the little six-year-old Jonathan said, why, Dad? He goes, because they're brutes. They're violent. They're vile. And he said, no, they're not, Dad. They're made by Jesus, essentially. And John says, no, 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 they're not. He heard his son, the son heard the father not speak a word to these people and treat them unkindly as a Christian leader. So you know what Jonathan Jr. did? He learned Mohican as a six-year-old. His best friends were those Indians. And then as he grew up, he defied his father and said, stop accusing people of being less than human. Stop being satanic, Dad. And nobody was with Jonathan. He was all by himself. Dad is famous. He's an infamy. But who was a better Christian man? Who's a better Christian man? What was he counting as as a kid? What did his dad think of him? Oh, you're a raging liberal, Jonathan. He is not. He's a Christ follower that's stopping to accuse people. Because he's, he's more grown up. He went beyond David. He's like Paul. He's like Jesus. And I think we have to get beyond that. What kind of people in the church do we accuse? Those people. Those people. Those people. 
You know, my, I, the reason I'm saying this is that I've been accused in my life of being way too conservative or way too liberal, sometimes by the same people. But here's my deal. You know, here's my deal. I know that I'm going to face Jesus one day, face to face. And whatever I do to any human being, I do to him. I am not going to refuse people to become part of God's community. I hate it when Christians accuse people, those people. We will stand before Jesus and Jesus will say, those people are made by me. I love those people. Why are you doing that to me? Why are you persecuting me? I'm more afraid of that than anything else. I'm with Jonathan Jr. Because I think it's time that, you know what Jonathan Jr. said in 1791? And I found this so brave. I found a sermon by him when he was in a sermon talking about why they should have no longer slaves. And he says, I know that our, um, our fathers and mothers had slaves. He said, but those days are over because we can't sin so cheaply today. That time is over. The time is over for Christians to accuse people of being those people. The time is over. The time is over. It is satanic. We need to be grown up, like Jesus said. We need to love them. David was working on it. Saul was working on it. Why were they working on it? Because the Spirit of Jesus was in them. And we can't sin so cheaply today. We can't. We can't. So I will probably be accused of being way too conservative and way too liberal the rest of my life. You know why? I don't care. I want people in. They belong to Jesus. They are loved by Jesus. All of them. I will not accuse them. We can't sin so cheaply today. I think it's, we're not aware of the own evil that we have of accusing others because it makes us feel so good to have a bad person, to have those people out. No more. No more. We have to stand before God. We can, we can ping pong Bible verses back and forth, but here's the fact. We need to get to a biblical anthropology. These are made by Jesus. And anytime you make fun of Jesus, just think about it as a prayer. If you're thinking about making fun of a group of people, say, Lord Jesus, I'm making fun of these people that you made, that you desire to know you, and then all of a sudden your prayer will stop. Kind of like David's did. He can't do it anymore. Now I might say, well, Lord, if you want to give them a little something, that's okay. But really what he's saying is, I, I'm trying to stop it. Can you pray that God would keep certain people in punishment? Really? But you get off? Why do we get grace? Why don't they get grace? I just can't do it anymore. I find it so odious and so contrary to Jesus. But the church protects the Jonathan Edwards seniors and the Jonathan Edwards juniors get marginalized. Well, so was Jesus. So was Paul. I think we need to stick with them. And even the Davids who are working on it. Gone are the days that we can Satanize people and sin cheaply. It's not Christ-centered. It's not Jesus-centered. We need to be welcoming to people. 
Does that mean everybody can do whatever they want? No, 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 no. But it does mean everybody has access to Jesus, and we better not get in the way. Do you all hear that? We better not get in the way. They have access to him. They all are loved by him. Let's pray. Lord, you love us, and we love you. And we know that in this psalm there's a lot of violence, but that was not David asking you to harm people. That's what these people were asking you to do to him. And David didn't want that done anymore. And we know that he did a lot of bad things, Lord, but you stuck with him. And he was repenting. He was working on it, and Paul was working on it. And Jonathan Edwards was working on it. And Lord, when his son told him, he still refused to listen. But we know that you love his dad, and we know that you love him, and we know that you love us. So whatever we're doing today to accuse people, to keep them away from us, God, please give us soft eyes. Because every time a human being comes into your presence, your eyes light up. Help us never forget that. And help us light up in our own eyes for these very same people that you love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.